22. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. And yet you are holy. You're enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our ancestors trusted in you and you rescued them. They cried out to you and they were saved. They trusted in you and they were never disgraced. But I am a worm and not a man. I am scorned and despised by all. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads saying, Is this the one who relies on the Lord? Then let the Lord save him. If the Lord loves him so much, let the Lord rescue him. And yet you brought me safely from my mother's womb. You led me to trust you at my mother's breast. I was thrust into your arms at my birth. You have been my God from the moment I was born. Do not stay so far away from me, for trouble is near and no one else can help me. My enemies surround me like a herd of bulls. Fierce bulls of Bashan have hemmed me in. Like lions, they open their jaws against me, roaring and tearing into their prey. My life is poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It melts within me. My strength has dried up like sun-baked clay. And my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You have laid me in the dust and left me for dead. My enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. My enemies stare at me and gloat. They divide my garments amongst themselves and throw dice for my clothing. Oh, Lord, do not stay far away from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to my aid. Save me from the sword. Spare my precious life from these togs. Snatch me from the lion's jaws and from the horns of these wild oxen. Psalm 22, a prophetic psalm of David. You know, Jesus knew it was coming. He had this psalm of David written 500 years beforehand to give him an insight into the pain and the suffering that he would experience. We know too that he knew it was coming. Because he'd prophesied it days beforehand, even weeks beforehand. Can we have the next slide? Brilliant. Next one. Thank you. He said that the Son of Man would be handed over, flogged, mocked, and crucified. Just a couple of days beforehand, he said the Son of Man would be handed over. And he would be crucified. 
He knew it was coming. He had sweated blood at the very thought of what he was going to experience. But nothing had prepared him for this. Since the beginning of time, three in one, one in three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, together dwelling in perfect harmony, together dwelling in perfect community, never apart, never separated, until now. From noon until three in the afternoon. For three hours, darkness covered the whole land. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice. Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani, which means, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Why? Why? It wasn't a question that he needed an answer to. He knew why. This is a cry of anguish. been abandoned, forsaken, deserted. As Jesus hung there on that cross, he knew that throughout the history of mankind, that sin had always led to exile. Exile from the presence of God. Exclusion, banishment. To be exiled is to be barred from one's native country. And the native country that you and I and he were created to live in is the kingdom of God. The native country that you were designed to live in is the kingdom of God, is the presence of God. But sin exiles us from that place. It bars us from our native country. In the story of creation, we see Adam and Eve thinking they can be as clever as God, deliberately going against the instruction of God. It leads to exile. God banishes them. In the story of Exodus, the people have been rescued by God Rescued from the oppression of the Egyptians. And yet, they grumble, they moan, they complain, and they build idols of other gods. It leads to exile. Forty years wandering in a barren, desolate place. He was angry. And he made them wander for 40 years. We see through the rebellion of the people of Israel that sin 
that turning their backs on God, turning their backs on God's way, walking away from God, doing stuff that causes pain to God and causes pain to our fellow man. God sends them. He sends them into exile. To live in a land occupied by foreign forces. Not a land under the kingdom and rule of God. But a foreign oppressors. On the day of atonement in the Old Testament. We see an enactment of how sin leads to exile from the presence of God. On that day, Aaron the high priest, he takes two goats. He prevents, presents them before the Lord. It says he, is, he, he casts lots for the two goats. One for the Lord, one for the scapegoat. The goat whose lot falls to the Lord, he takes it and sacrifices it for a sin offering. But the goat chosen by Lot as the scapegoat shall be presented alive. And it goes on to say that Aaron the priest will take his hands and he will lay both of them on the head of the live goat. He will confess over that goat all the wickedness and rebellion of the Israelites, all of their sins. They shall be placed on the goat. And then they send the goat away. They send the goat away into the wilderness. One man takes it far enough away that it will not be able to return. The scapegoat carries the sin. Sin leads to exile from the presence of God. When even Jesus talked about hell. Often when you see the word hell in the language of Jesus, it is the word Gehenna, which translated means the valley of Hinnom. It, it was a real place, a real place just outside of Jerusalem, a place that, that throughout the Old Testament had become a place that was really, really known for where despicable things happened. Many a child sacrificed to the God of Molech. It went on to become a place abandoned by the people that was turned into a stinking, horrible, rubbish dump. So when you read the word hell, when Jesus used the word Gehenna, this is what people thought of. It was a rubbish dump outside of Jerusalem. A rubbish dump with the worst history ever. Where even and in those days they would burn the corpses of criminals. Or they would throw dead and rotting animals along with all the rubbish that was dumped there. And like rubbish dumps of old, there was a fire that burnt there. A fire that never went out. A fire where the worms and the maggots 
never died because they had plenty to eat. As Jesus references it, the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And the significance that this place was outside of the city should not be lost. That this place was outside of where God's rule and God's reign was going to be should not be lost on us. Outside where the scapegoat would be sent should not be lost. Even as we read the parable of the lost son or the prodigal son, we see that his sin, his sin is what exiles him, is what takes him away from the father's presence. His sin of greed, his sin of wanting to live life outside of the beautiful presence of his loving, gracious father. His sin leads him away from God. God made us for perfect relationship with him. Our sin is anything, anything that takes us away from that perfect relationship that he has planned for us. It is anything that does damage to that relationship. It is anything that does damage to those around us. It is anything that does damage to ourselves. In that parable of the lost son, we see Jesus paint a picture. Not of a father who sat there tied up in bitterness and anger at the way that we've taken our inheritance and squandered it, but of a father who is lovesick for his children. A father who knows the things that we have done that have ruined and broken and abandoned and and, and trashed that beautiful relationship that we should have had. Who stands there not waiting to give us a ticking off, but a hug of acceptance, a hug of forgiveness. When Jesus cried, why, why have you forsaken me? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's because he and his father They'd made a pact. They'd made a decision that all of those decisions, all of those sins, all of those things that would that have happened and would happen, that every single last one, that all of the pain that that caused, whether it caused it to God the Father, caused it to ourselves, or caused it to those around us, all of that pain 
in some amazing way would be placed on him. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. Surely, surely he took up our pain. Surely he bore our suffering. For the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Just like the scapegoat who would have been brought in, they'd have placed their hands on his head and said, All of the sins of our community placed on this animal. In the same way, all of the sins taken to the cross and placed, placed on the one who, like the goat, would be led away for the first time ever from the presence of his father because sin always exiles us from the presence of God and when my sin and your sin and the sins of this world were placed on him he had to be led away into the wilderness into Gehenna into the place All that pain. All the pain felt by the Father in heaven. Every sin committed against him and the people that he loved. All the pain felt by those who'd been sinned against. All the pain felt by us at the consequences of our own sin. That person who'd chosen to be unfaithful and the pain it had caused. That person who'd chosen to lie and cheat their way out of a situation. The pain done to their own soul that took them away from their father. That person so full of pride and the hurt that it did to those around them. The damage it had done to their own heart and soul. That pain of simply choosing to live. Not acknowledging and trusting in the God who made us and loves us. Not to mention the genocidal maniacs, the terrorists, the paedophiles, the unscrupulous businessmen. Each decision, each act, each thought doing varying degrees of damage to our own soul varying degrees of damage to people around us varying degrees of damage to our relationship with God 
sin causes damage, hurt, and pain. That is the consequence of not living God's way. And we're all guilty. That's why he hates it so much. That's why he hates it so much. It's not because he needed a rule book to see how people measure up or fall short. So he could declare us all guilty. It's because he loves us. And he loves people. That whenever anyone does any damage, hurt or pain. Anyone does any damage, hurt or pain to my son. I will feel it. Anyone who does damage, hurt or pain to any child of God. Our father in heaven feels it. That's why he calls it sin. That's why he calls it falling short of the mark. That's why he's so bothered about it. And so they made a deal. Jesus would be the sacrificial lamb. Jesus ends up being both goats. But he would be the scapegoat. The one who would have the sin of the world placed on his head. And he would carry it away into the wilderness. What Christ was doing on the cross was he was absorbing our sin. He was absorbing our sin and recycling it into forgiveness. Absorbing our sin and recycling it into forgiveness. He became our substitute. We should be the ones who face the consequences of our sin. The now consequences and the forever consequences. We should be the ones who live with the pain and the damage that we cause to ourselves, to others, and to our Father in heaven. We should be the ones who are weighed down and distraught as we live with those consequences. Having walked away from God, having chosen our own exile from the Father because of our own stupid choices. We should be the ones who face the exile from God, which eventually leads to death ultimate separation from God but he loved us too much he stepped in he absorbed our sin and he recycled it into forgiveness this is what it means that he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross and in the words of Hebrews 2 verse 9 he tasted death for everyone he tasted death for everyone surely 
he took up our pain, bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Eli, Eli, Lama, Sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The same God cries today to a broken world. My people, my people, why have you forsaken me? Let's take a moment to read these words of Isaiah while some music plays to consider Jesus, the one forsaken, exiled for you and for your sake. <laughs> 